Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Mino Line Media presents Business of the Beat. Hi, I'm Kendra Bracken Ferguson, and I am a founder, brand builder, entrepreneur, and believe in the mantra, Carpe Diem. I created this podcast, Business of the Beat, through my own experience as a beauty executive to talk about, tell stories, and highlight the business of beauty through conversations with beauty and wellness entrepreneurs, intrapreneurs, helping to diversify the industry. This week on Business of the Beat. So when I'm doing a production run, you know, this is being financed by the business, but also by myself. And so, you know, if I have to produce, let's just say 200,000 units for Sephora Ulta, the the question then comes, you know, as my friend likes to say, well, what money? I'm your host, Kendra Bracken Ferguson, and welcome to Business of the Beat. Today's guest is Tamara Watkins, founder of Loza Tam. Tamara is an e commerce entrepreneur who has over 10 years of digital marketing experience, growth hacking CPG and beauty brands like Bevel, Butter Skin, Hypa Skin, and Heat Free Hair. Tamara's background in e-commerce led her to start her own brand of texture and curl-protecting hair accessories, Lozatam, where she oversees everything from manufacturing to P&L. Founded in 2016, Lozatam is a collection of women's African head wraps lined in satin to protect the hair against frizz, breakage, and moisture loss. They've been voted best headbands for curly hair by Curly Nikki and featured in popular publications like Birdie, Allure, Refinery29, Broadly by Vice, and Self Magazine by top beauty editors. Tamara, welcome to Business of the Beat. It is so wonderful to see you again. I know we were like, how long has it been? So it's always great for a reunion. Yes, thank you for having me. Of course. So we met during the ClearCo pitch competition that we were hosting Brain Trust Founders Studio with ClearCo, one of our partners. And you were just a standout breakout star with Loza Tam. And so I'm so excited to have you on the show and to hear all about your journey and about the brands and you've had an amazing career. So let's talk about your journey, um, where you grew up, what inspired you and what's brought you to this moment. Okay. So where I grew <laughs> up, I grew up in a town called Monticello, Florida. It's in the panhandle of Florida. So really, you know, essentially it's Trump country. Um, but I grew <laughs> up with um, my, my, grandmother and my mother, they were entrepreneurs. So um, I think I started being surrounded by women who own their own businesses at an early age. Although at the time I saw how, how much time that the business consumed of my mother's life. And I was pretty resolved to not becoming an entrepreneur. And, and that wasn't even a word in my vocabulary at the time. Um, I was going to go to pharmacy school or become like a cosmetic chemist. And so, you know, packed my bags, moved up to Washington, D.C., went to Howard University. And um, when I finished, I realized that I hated chemistry. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, yeah, I just decided, I just kind of fell into digital marketing. Um, and from there, I just honed my skills as a digital marketer. And I pretty much became a director at my company and I was having to present to the board and the CEO and I have naturally curly hair. And so I just had one bad hair day too many. Like, you know, I, I, I think you can relate, but when you have natural hair, sometimes like, you know, styling it can be very time consuming. And for me, I, I didn't have a lot of time in the morning. So I, you know, thought like, hmm, can I create something that, you know, I can put on and look good, you know, instantly as I head out the door. And that's where Lozatine was born. Wow. It's it's always so funny in our journey of what we think we're going to do and then kind of where we end up and what that evolution looks like. So I want to go back to your mom and your grandmother because, you know, it's very rare that we have guests on the show where they have two generations of historical figures in their lives who have been entrepreneurs. So talk about, you said you were, you were resolved to not being an entrepreneur. So why, why? Like what were they doing? What were their businesses? And kind of what was that journey where you said, that's not what I wanna do? Uh, so they had an assisted living facility. So basically they work with a lot of people um, who had mental health challenges and they were mandated by the state of Florida to be at that facility. And so it was about, they had about 40 or so patients, like a staff of like 10. Um, but I just found that it just, the business was our life. Like our lives revolved around the business. Um, and I'm a firm believer in a business should support your life. You shouldn't live your life around the business um, just to create balance in life. And it, it just seemed like, you know, if someone called out, if one of the employees called out, my mom had to go work the shift. Or I remember once I was in band. <laughs> so um, I was at a recital <laughs> and I remember my mom came and she came late. And, you know, I'm looking out in the audience and I see her like tiptoeing in and, you know, she got a call and she had to leave. And that's just the life of an entrepreneur. And I, I didn't want that. But here I am. <laughs> You're like, but alas, here I am. And you know, what I think is interesting is as entrepreneurs, you know, we say that we want to be entrepreneurs for freedom, right? So that we can create our own schedule and do our own path and do all the things. But part of being an entrepreneur is being so driven and so committed and passionate for the work that you're doing that we sometimes lose a bit of control of ourselves and get caught up in the work. So I love the statement when you said business should support your life and you shouldn't revolve, your life shouldn't revolve around the business. So when you think about the journey of saying, I wanna be a chemist, no, that's not for me. I'm now gonna create my own brand. How have you taken that learning and what you saw into being an entrepreneur and now creating your own business? So my background in chemistry, I would say it contributed to my um, entrepreneurial journey in that chemistry is very quantitative and it's very analytical. And so it really lends itself to digital marketing because a lot of it is coming up with great ideas, but it's also looking at the quantitative data to tell you how did those ideas perform in the market? Like how is your market responding to your product? So you're looking at key performance indicators, like for example, with email, open rate, click-through rate, um, you know, running tons of spreadsheets. It's really a data heavy profession. So it, it definitely, definitely um, helped, even though, you know, I didn't end up pursuing 
that career path, I think the um, academic training that I have from, from my chemistry background, it, it, it certainly helped. Well, and everything I think builds on itself, like anything that we do, we always have to take those key learnings and then apply it into the next thing that we do, right? Because the skills and the gifts that you had to really understand chemistry, even on the quantitative and the qualitative side, really do inform kind of the next steps of building a business. And so as you started to go through this transition, so I love this. I had one bad hair too many. We can all relate to that. There is not a woman who cannot say I haven't had a bad hair day. And then you said you wanted to move into Lozatam. So you're doing digital marketing. You're quickly rising in your company. And then what was that spark of the hair day that said, let me go create this. And then how did you even figure out what you wanted to create and what that that main product was gonna be? You know what, I think once I entered corporate America, I quickly figured out it, it wasn't a fit for my personality. And I don't know if that was from seeing my mom and my grandmother chart their own course and not really having to answer to anybody except for the state of Florida. Um, but you know, <laughs> I, I, I realized quick, I didn't want to answer to anyone. And yes, as a, as a CEO, you answer to the people who work for you and you answer to your customers, but it's just a different, it, it's just different than having to ask someone if you can take the day off or, you know, to, to say, Hey, I'm sick, you know, I'm going to be in late. It's, it's just a different type of, dare I say, hustle. So, yeah, once I realized that I didn't want to um, work for anyone else, I think I was always kind of looking for um, things that I could take and transform into a business. And this one was just something that, you know, it, actually it started with a headband um, and then it grew into a full blown wrap because I was like, OK, the headbands are great. But the headbands only cover a portion <laughs> of the hair. Right. I need full coverage. So that's how uh -huh. I into the, the full um, Tamra. Well, and I think that all great ideas, it started with you, right? And then you said, I'm going to do a headband. And now I know that I need the full wrap. And I think as you started saying, I want to do head wraps, you also started thinking about your customer because you've been very clear in terms of cultural appropriation on your website. You've said not one culture, peoples, or faith have exclusive license to be the solo wearers of head wraps, turbans, head scarves, or head coverings. And then you proceeded to expand on spiritual practice, cultural significance, practicality, functionality, and then fashion. So these are all amazing content pillars. And I think you know, listening to what you're saying in terms of your background and chemistry and your mom, you were very clear about cultural appropriation and talking about it, especially at a time when this has been such a topic of conversation. So how have you created that expansion and how have you kind of re removed the stigma of just of this just being for one culture, but being okay for others to be involved and literally crossing over? Oh, so initially when we started the business, we had a lot of customers that were not of African descent who would write in and say, hey, I'm white. I really, you know, like the look of it um, or, hey, I'm a white woman and I, I have cancer. 
you know, can I wear this product and I want to be respectful of the culture? And we just got those inquiries so much that it just made sense to just address it head on. Um, and in addition to that, when we were running ads, I would notice that, you know, some women would comment, you know, um, oh, this is cultural appropriation because some of the models in the ads were not women of color. And I am a big proponent of diversity. And I feel like, you know, as a black woman, sometimes we feel the need to only market to black women. And I think sometimes we're pushed in, in that direction, like from well-meaning, you know, advisors and mentors. Um, but that's not the yep. brand that I want to build. And I, I want all women to feel like they have a, a seat at our table. Well, and I think that it's important, right? Because we talk about inclusivity, we talk about diversity, and then we get put in this box of I'm a black founder, so therefore my product's only for black people. And it's interesting because it's almost like it just happened. Like we didn't say it. Yes, there are some brands that were specifically created for the needs of black people, black skin and black hair. But then there's others that have a wide range of people that can use them. And I love that in terms of wanting all women to have something and to feel beautiful in something that you've created. And you also mentioned the cancer piece of it because you do have the chemo headwear. And was that something that you talk about people writing in and asking if they can do it? What came of that that you didn't really expect? Like, what was what was that? Someone's asking, you did it. But what didn't you expect to happen whenever you launched that? <sighs> you know, I wasn't expecting women. For, you know, I think I understood how I, I understand how much hair plays into a woman's identity. But I only knew it from my single narrative of a woman who was, you know, at the time I launched the brand, I was in my late 20s. Um, so I, I didn't have that challenge. I wasn't having to navigate the challenge of um, going through chemotherapy or having alopecia. So I only knew how to you know, speak to, to one experience. But it wasn't until, you know, customers started to write in and say, hey, you know, I um, can I wear your product. And once they order the product, they, they'll write in and say, hey, you know, this is the first time I felt comfortable going outside. And that hit me like a ton of bricks because I just didn't realize yeah. how much that can give a woman confidence to go out and face her day head on, even when she doesn't feel the best on the inside. Wow, that is so powerful. And that's the beauty of beauty in terms of how we can use beauty to really transform how we think about ourselves, right? And we still have to have our inside be truly understanding of who we are and to have confidence and to be positive, right? But how we walk outside and how we show up, it really does infect us mentally and spiritually and all the things that you've kind of referenced as pillars. And so as you think about the brand's purpose, right? And I like how you said it started with you. You're in your late 20s. You didn't know all these things, but over time you've had to evolve your business based upon what you know now as an entrepreneur, so how are you thinking about the purpose and the mission of Lozatam? Has it evolved and changed? Where do you kind of see it going in the future as you look at the role that it's playing in so many types of women's lives and hair journey? So the evolution, we, we want to, from a business perspective, we do want to expand into more products that, um, more accessories. Um, so going into products like um, hair towels. So, you know, like, 
I've tested a lot of hair towels out in the market and, you know, I think that there's room for improvement. Um, so I want to address that it's specifically as it relates to women with textured hair. Um, so really just thinking about all those key points that um, women use hair accessories in order to make their life easier and Lozatam responding to that in ways that care for the hair in, in ways that are just much better and healthier for the hair. Because I think a lot of times, um, you know, the people who lead these companies, there's a lot of them are still led by men. And so I don't think that they are even truly leading with the needs of, of women. <laughs> Absolutely not. Because to your point, if we don't have that lived experience, it's much harder for us to relate. We can think about it and we can look at the research, as you said, and we can listen to our consumers. But I do think there's something to be said as we experience different things in our own lives or as we've lived in a certain body type, understanding how to address those needs. And I love how you talk about hair towels, because that is something that I think we all struggle with, because I'm always like, what do I put on my hair and what's going to change it? And like a towel is not a towel is not a towel. <laughs> um, and so I think that it's really smart. And it's it's interesting. Talk about your the quiz, because I took the quiz and I was fascinated in terms of really looking at all the different the ways that you describe it, the different hair types. How long is your hair? Do you want your hair tucked in? Do you want some of it out? So what was the dynamics for the quiz? Were people writing in and saying, I just don't know what to get? For me, I'd be like, I'm just not sure which one to get for what I need or how it's going to fit. So I love I love the quiz, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. That's exactly what it came from. So I was noticing like when I was um, talking to the um, girl that's head of our customer care, she would say um, that we were getting returns because people were ordering the wrong size or the wrong style. So I was like, OK, hmm, what can we create that when we're not online to to talk to a customer or when they don't feel like calling us on the phone, what can we create to help guide the customer through what's the best product for them? Because there's so many variations when it comes to headwear. Like when I first created the product, it was literally just one size fits all, right? But I quickly yes. realized that there there's one size fits most. <laughs> but you know, I just created <laughs> sizes because I was like, okay, we need we have to create sizes because you know everyone's size head it's it just so many variations. Like how long is your hair? What's your head circumference? Like are you gonna wear all your hair tucked up? Are you gonna wear your hair free free flowing out? Do you have hair? Like it's just so many different things that inform um, the recommendations for the for the quiz. Well, and that speaks so much to your digital marketing background. You know, so many brands are trying to listen to their consumers, but then how you translate that into effective ways of getting to understand the brands and getting to pick your products. So when you think about you have this digital marketing background, you were listening to the feedback, you quickly realized that one size does not, it may fit some, but not all. And so you started expanding. What is the makeup of your team? Because as you're looking at the data, you're now coming out with more products. I know that you've talked about the importance of having a great product, a great team, a great story to really build your brand. But you've also had so many experiences working with brands like Bevel and Butta and Hyperskin. So how have you created a team to support you as the marketer, the entrepreneur, but then also the expansion of products and retail? Hmm. So the good thing is, is because I was a consultant, a digital marketing consultant first, 
I had already had my own business. Um, and so the people that I was able to pull in through my consulting, I was able to say, hey, I'm starting this company. Are you interested in? <laughs> Come on over. <laughs> or are you interested in designing emails? Um, you know, and, and thankfully, like my, my cousin, um, I also lean on family. So when I have a, my cousin, she works for me doing customer service. And yeah, just through my work experience, I've been fortunate to find great people. It is. It, it, the hardest part in terms of a company is the products, but it's also the people. Because as entrepreneurs, we may have the vision, but it takes a true brain trust and team to really help us bring that vision to life. And so being able to have the right people around us to really move us forward. And when you think about kind of the evolution, your team, the products, are you looking at retail? Are you focused on D2C? I know you've had some amazing press. What's been your strategy in terms of growth for the product expansion and distribution? We are in some retailers, just small independent retailers. Uh, right now, I don't really want to expand too quickly into like a major retailer just because a lot of that depends so much on capital and, um, you know, production. And, you know, in order to get into like a Sephora or an Ulta, for example, you really do need to have the capital to support those efforts. And one of my biggest challenges has been, you know, capital to expand. So when I'm doing a production run, you know, this is being financed by the business, but also by myself. And so, you know, if I have to produce, let's just say 200,000 units, for Sephora Ulta, the, the question then comes, you know, as my friend likes to say, well, what money? <laughs> so, <laughs> I hear that. <laughs> yeah, so that's just always the big question, I think, for a lot of small business owners. It's like, you know, where am I going to find the capital in order to finance expansion? Well, and the way that you're approaching it um, is very strategic. And there. You know, retail, especially when you mentioned Sephora and Ulta, can almost be like bright, shiny objects that everyone is saying, well, this one's in it and this one's in it and I need to be in it now. But I love it. It's like, with what money? And is that the right expansion for us? And what's the difference between <clears throat> investing money back into the business and growing the business that way versus determining when you're at a point to bring in investment or to bring in angels or to bring in other capital sources? And it seems like, I mean, you've been growing the brand so much. It's beautiful. It works. It's what we all need. That that path is is really kind of in the near term future of, I would imagine, how you're envisioning the growth of the brand. Is that something that you've been thinking about from a capital perspective? We get a lot of questions from founders about when is the right time to start looking at capital? And it sounds like you've, you've thought about this. Yes, I've thought about it because I, I realized, I, I think every founder gets a brand to a certain milestone. But in order to get to the next milestone and a milestone after that, the, the reality is, is you can have a great product, but if you don't have that revenue machine behind you, it's very difficult, you know, to, to move the way that you want to move, because that also means that, um, you know, you, you need capital to finance your production. You need capital to hire the best people to help get you to that next step. Um, so it, capital, that, that, that C word is um, everything. <laughs> so <yeah. laughs> that C word. 
so yes, I have been looking at investors. It has been a challenge just because um, the reality is that a lot of the investors, you know, they tend to not look like you and, and they have their own single narrative of what is needed in the market and what isn't needed. And so I think sometimes, you know, they're well-meaning and of course, protecting the interests of the investors that they serve. Um, they don't quite understand the story or the need for it, or they think the market is much smaller than it actually is. But it's just because they're not the target consumer. Exactly. And I think that's really what our mission is to solve with our new brain trust fund is to have the ability to have investors look like the customers or the, or the founders that we know are driving the customers in terms of sales. Like we are clearly driving trends. We're driving innovation. We're driving retail. We're driving social. So being able to kind of turn the tables in terms of who are the people on the other side controlling the dollars that are going into businesses. And so I align with you and it's something that we're super passionate about and that I think my peers in the venture space, Fearless Fund, Backstage Capital, Harlem Capital, Pendulum, like Slauson and Co, they are all working to be the investors that look like the founders that we want to support. And so I definitely, you know, I hope that we can do more as ventures, people who own run funds and then as founders, we can also come together in this place of really understanding the dynamics of, of capital and then really looking at differentiated capital sources that can help founders without giving up too much equity. You know, we talk about ClearCo and the pitch that you won and their ability to help founders be able to use loan dollars, if you will, for marketing and for inventory or Shopify capital. So I really hope that we can find pathways for founders to be able to get to that next place. Because you're right, you can get to a certain milestone and then there's the support that you need externally. And when you think about some of the, 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 the main piece of your product is silk. And you have really educated us on silk. I think growing up, it was always like, you need a silk pillowcase or you need a silk wrap. But just quickly talk through, you could have gone with the cotton, you could have gone with the foot. There's all these different fabrics and materials. Why did you choose silk? And what's it been like helping consumers understand that with silk is a higher price point, but it's a better quality and it's the best material for your hair? Um, so our some some of our products are made with silk, and then the others are made with satin. But the benefit is the same. Um, it's just really just cost of raw materials there. Um, but in terms of the education with customers, um, it really <laughs> funny enough. It just started with a um, an article that a blog article that we did, and we just like promoted it. You know, like our cotton head wraps, like the reason why your hair is dry. Because I've been there. Like I used to wear the cotton head wraps, and I would take it off, and my hair would just be like this big old tangled dry mess. Um, and so <laughs> I was like, this has been working. So just wanted to educate customers on the three main benefits and what moisture retention. Then there's the friction, um, reduced friction on the hair, which causes breakage. And then it's also just 
better for your skin because once your hair is tucked and up out of the way, you know, at night, because I, I sleep in mine, I, I I actually have a turban for every activity in life, but, <laughs> but, you know, I sleep in mine. And so because, you know, I put oils and products on my hair, I don't have to worry about that seeping onto my pillow and then onto my skin and then waking up the next morning with a unwelcome visitor on my face. <laughs> I love that with an unwelcome visitor. And you're right. It is the satin lining that really makes such a difference. And we don't even think about it. And, and also just the way that we have to protect our hair, like the breakage piece is so real, especially around the, the edges. And so you truly have solved an amazing problem for all of us and in such a fashion and stylish way. Um, so thank you. So as we prepare to close, um, we love to do this kind of fill in the blank, right? It's so much fun. So I'm going to ask you some questions and then you fill in the blank and it's meant to be just really fun and really fast. Okay. So I was first introduced to full satin when? 2005. Ooh, I've been an actor okay, for a okay. long time. And so I realized actually, yeah, 2003, I actually cut my hair off and I started, you know, getting on those forums and learning about how to care for textured hair. Wow. Okay. Thank you. So you're, you're like, I'm OG. I can talk to you all day long about satin. Um, this is a great one. The hardest thing in business to wrap my mind around is finance. Yes. yes. Should I expound? Go right ahead. You called it the C word. So go ahead and expand. Okay. So the reason why is because specifically growth uh, finance, because, you know, you see all these businesses um, that IPO, they're not profitable, but they've gotten all this money. And so I'm like, how is it possible that this company, company X can raise $2 billion, but they're losing, you know, $10 billion, you know, every year. I'm like, mm -hmm. how does the math, the math ain't mathing. <laughs> that is good. There was a company we were looking at and I was like, wow, they've lost a hundred million dollars and they are still, yes, the math ain't mathing. So that's a good one. And if the cotton jersey fabric didn't work on turbans, I would have used it to make. I would use it to fill in our hair bun maker and wrap the outside of it with satin. Oh, nice. Elaborate, please. So it's just going back to the OG sock bun. You know, you use the, the, the sock. Uh -huh. So you could just take uh, satin and wrap it around it and you still have a sock bun, but just better and healthier for your hair. Nice. I love this. I'm like, okay, do tell, do educate. Okay, that was fun. I love those. So you were first introduced to Full Satin in 2005. The hardest thing in business to wrap your head around is finance, which we all understand the C word. And then if the cotton jersey fabric didn't work on turbans, you would have used it to fill in your hair bun maker. That's great. And still wrapped it in our beloved satin. So thank you for that. So I am just so happy to get to hear more about your journey and your family and this ride that we're all on called entrepreneurism and the roller coaster that it's taken us. Um, two more things as we wrap up. You mentioned early in the beginning about the time commitment. So do you really keep nine to five hours <laughs> and how do you scale back from getting in that 24 seven lifestyle? So 
two years ago, if you'd asked me that, I would say, what is a nine to five? Because I work every day. Now, um, I don't only because I am expecting and I am trying to set. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. And also you're too tired. You're like, I would love to do that, but I'm going to sit down somewhere and have a cold glass of water. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> laptop, And then you're like, Ugh. well, congratulations. That's fantastic. Oh my gosh. Babies bring good luck. So I wish you so much good luck and peace and blessings on this next chapter and your next baby. Um, so to close it out, we always ask what's one brand you're excited about that our listeners and myself should check out. Hmm. Um, can I give you two? So absolutely. Beauty, um, she's based out in Wisconsin. Like she makes some of the best lipsticks. Like if you're a luxury lipstick, cosmetic type of girl, like her lipsticks, like Chanel has nothing on her lipsticks. Like they're so amazing. And then the second one Fantastic. is wait, before you do the second one, spell the first one so we can get Hunter, it. Hunter, M-A-R-I-E and then H-U-N-T-E-R. Okay, got it. And then the second one, I think everyone knows about this one, but I love their products is um, Ami Cole and she's based out of Harlem. Yes. Great. I love her. We love, oh gosh, we love Giada. She's been on, she was one of the first guests on the show. And, you know, she just had a baby, I think is he five months now. So you guys can connect on all the new baby minus seven. So I'm out of that stage. Good luck. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I think I'm need it. This has been great having you. Just congratulations on the brands, on your pivot doing things your way when it comes to being an entrepreneur. And we are so excited for Lozatam and, and all that is to come for the future of the brand. So thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you for the support and the work that you do for women of color that are navigating their own path. Like we need it so much. So thank you. And every week I share an influencer I'm checking out. And thanks to Tamara, make sure to follow Marie Hunter. That's Marie Hunter Beauty on Instagram, award-winning cosmetics and fragrances. And I also want to leave you with one thing from today's guest, Tamara, and that is how will you pivot from your original plan? We all set out on a course and sometimes like Tamara, we have to pivot and go in a different direction. How will you pivot your life into the direction that you want and that you seek? And with that, Follow, rate, and subscribe to Business of the Beat on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. You don't want to miss an episode, and we love to hear from you. Leave a five-star rating and a review. Until next week. Business of the Beat is hosted by Kendra Bracken-Ferguson, assistant producer Jenny Salk, associate producer Ariel Mancibo, executive producer Kendra Bracken-Ferguson, edited by Fishmar Creative, executive producer Ken Johnson. Find the Business of the Beat podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Odyssey, Amazon Music, or where you get your podcast, And on IG at Business of the Beat. Business of the Beat is a mean old line media production. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. 
Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.